Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. We're married, and we like to do a lot of different things together. But what got us together initially was that we love to eat and we like to drink. And we love to learn how our favorite foods and beverages came to be. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk about something delicious and answer the question, Where did this come from? Anyway, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Where Did This Come From? I am Trevor. And I'm Laura. And uh, here we are. It is the dog days of summer, as we were just mentioning. It's really hot out. It's day 7,500 of quarantine at yep, this point. Yeah, pretty much. That COVID, sounds right. For COVID-19. I think that is an accurate It could also be count. day two. Uh, no, it's definitely 7,500 yeah. plus. Um, but you know what? I feel good. Life is good. I feel we, uh, good. I feel good today. We did a bunch of stuff outside yesterday. It is a Sunday, so we've been enjoying our weekend outside. We did some projects, did some weeding, did some yard work. Some hardcore domestic living in the last couple of days. Yeah. But you know what? I feel good today. I've got a fresh shave, got my yeah. w- w- loudest bird shirt on. Two very important visual things You're for the auditory medium. Fine, my love. <laughs> I feel and I feel good. We're I gonna give good. Trevor a haircut later. So yes, that is one um, thing about quarantine is we've been giving each other haircuts. <laughs> Trevor has only done mine once. <laughs> it's not a it's not a trust thing. Though. It was it's, fine. Yeah, no, that was good. But the real reason I'm super excited today is because we get to talk about one of my favorite and one of our favorite things, and that is. Lobster. Yay! I mean, it's summertime. Who's not thinking about lobster at this time of year? Um, honestly, I, we're both from New England. I grew up eating lobster as a kid, shellfish, that whole thing. I mean, there was a period of time when I was a child where I'd be more apt to eat shellfish and lobster over a cheeseburger, which is crazy to think about. But if you grew up in New England, it's not that uncommon. Uh, and you love lobster too, love. Love lobster. Yeah, I grew up eating lobster. I used to only eat the little legs. Um, really? Yeah, that was, like, the part that I liked. And then I would only eat, like, the tip of the spongy, like, claw. You know how sometimes if you get an overcooked lobster, the the tip of the claw is, like, a little spongy? That was the part that I would eat. That was when I was, like, five. And then I, I graduated very quickly to eating the whole lobster. Nice. Well, I will say this. I love lobster. Um, and I actually loved learning more about it. I realized I didn't know that much. I mean, me and Laura met working in a kind of high-end seafood restaurant here in Boston. Um, so we learned a lot about seafood. We did learn a lot about lobster there too, but I actually didn't realize how little I actually knew about one of my favorite foods in the entire world. And Yeah, I'm excited to hear what I don't know. Exactly. I'm also really excited because this, you know, digging into this research and talking about this, it reminds me of maybe one of my favorite places on the planet, my favorite restaurant in the world. I know uh, what you're going to say. Which is Brown's Lobster <laughs> Pound in Sea. Uh, C- uh, good Lord. Seabrook. Uh, yeah, I was, just had a brain fart there. Seabrook, New Hampshire. <laughs> um, maintained still to this day, the only place I would drive 100 miles round trip to eat a meal. Fantastic little lobster shack. BYOB, just classic throwback New England, side of the road, lobster pound. Yep. Little picnic tables, kind of like no frills. Oh, yeah. But delicious lobster. Which is why for me, like digging into lobster and eating lobster, it's, it's a throwback to... Yeah, it's like totally nostalgic. Oh, yeah. Like me and my brother and sister, like spending a week at my aunt and uncle's beach house there. 
uh, which is long since gone, unfortunately. But then we'd go to Brown's. Then after Brown's, we'd go into Salisbury, Mass., and we'd go to the, the boardwalk there. We hit Pirate Park, which was this awesome little boardwalk amusement park. So digging into all this brought all that stuff back, and I'm so excited to jump in. Now, it wouldn't be one of my episodes without first citing Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh, you're going to do your citations first. Uh, not my citations, but I'm going to quote oh, to give okay. us like a pretty scientific. <laughs> gotcha. Sorry. I cut out a lot of the scientific words because I couldn't pronounce some of them, like okay, the genuses of lobster and all that stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but according to Encyclopedia Britannica, lobster is any of numerous marine crustaceans, including true lobsters, which is what we call Maine lobster or American lobster. So the clawed lobsters we all know. Spiny lobsters, slipper, shovel lobsters, also known as Spanish lobster, and deep sea lobsters, which if you have time to do kind of Google deep sea lobsters, they are weird, weird aliens. If you thought lobsters were weird, deep sea lobsters are even crazier. Yeah, I'll have to Google that after this. Now, all are bottom dwelling, and most are nocturnal, so they're really kind of more active at night. And they scavenge for dead animals, but also eat live fish, small mollusks, so clams, mussels, scallops, things like that and other bottom-dwelling invertebrates, as well as seaweed. Now, some species, especially true of um, true lobsters or main lobsters and spiny lobsters, are the most commercially important to humans as food. Now, lobsters have been around a long time. You could probably imagine just by looking at them. Yeah, so they, how long... they've been through some evolutionary changes. Believe it or not, not that many. Really? So how long, how long do you think lobster's been on the planet? Oh God, I don't know. So like, I don't know. A thousand years, two thousand years. So the fossil records of clawed lobsters, which is predominantly what we're talking about today, and what we know here in New England as Maine lobster, extends back to the crustacean, the crustacean period, <laughs> the Cretaceous period, about one hundred and forty million years ago. Oh my gosh! Really? One hundred and forty million years of the clawed lobster. So, uh, timing check. When were like dinosaurs around? Before that and after that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's, it's... So they're like, they've been around for a very long time. A long, long time. Actually, around 2014 or 2015, uh, paleontologists discovered fossils of a two meter long lobster-like animal. So a oh seven God. foot long predecessor of lobsters that lived in the seas around what's now Morocco during the early, I'm going to say this wrong, Ordovician period. And that was about 480 million years ago, oh the age gosh. of that fossil. I don't know that I would want to eat a seven-foot-long lobster. I think it would eat you. It might. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Definitely mug you, take your wallet or something like that. Um, now you were saying they've gone through a lot of evolutionary changes, but they've actually changed very little over those hundreds of millions of years. And lobster is known for its unusual anatomy, apparently. And what I'm about to tell you, this creature should not exist, or it's something that's from another planet. Um, because for lobster, the brain's located in its throat, its nervous system is in its abdomen, its teeth are in its stomach, and its kidneys are in its head. What? Yeah. So, like, when you take apart a lobster and you, like, totally crack the thing open, the stuff in its head... It's the kidneys. It's the kidneys. It's the kidneys. Oh. It also hears using its legs. I think I did know that, actually. And it tastes with its feet. Okay, I didn't know that one. I... I... I don't know how any of these things are actually possible. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things, one of the very few things that lobster actually has in common with humans is they tend to favor one front limb over the other. So lobsters can be right clawed or left clawed. Oh, I mean, that makes sense because one claw is always bigger. Yeah. So the crusher claw, whichever side it's on, which is the bigger, thicker claw with like the more like, it looks like molars in mm -hmm. the claws. That's their favored 
hand. And right. the other, the pincher, is like their less, their less right. dominant So you could claw. have a, a right-handed or left-handed lobster. Yeah, exactly. And I've actually never noticed before, but next time we do, I'm going to take a look to see if they're the same for both of the lobsters we get. Right. See if it's right or left-handed. The old South yeah, is there one lobster. that's more common? I didn't look that up. I couldn't mm-hmm. find that. Um, there was a lot of available research out there about lobsters, yeah, um, but none of it was really dedicated to just their right claw, left claw situation or right. how common one is the other. I know in humans, lefties are less common, but... Right. Yeah, I was wondering if it was something similar, but... Um, also, lobsters swim backwards. I, I did think not... I did know that too, no actually. Idea. That sounds vaguely familiar. And it's wild to look at. It's kind of like they're like staring you in the eye when they swim away. Well, like their tails kind of contract in that yeah. way. So it kind of yeah, would make sense that, that they sense. would move backwards. Kind of like squid. Yeah. They swim backwards. Yeah. Wait, squid swim backwards, right? Yeah. I actually, I don't know. That's a whole nother episode. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we don't know that information yet, okay? <laughs> so that's a little bit about like the scientific side of lobsters. Um, now a little bit kind of the history of lobster in America. So indigenous Americans used lobsters to fertilize their crops and bait their fishing hooks. Okay. So lobster shells today actually are really, really good for fertilizer. Right. Full of minerals, nutrients, things like that. And the Native Americans also ate the lobsters, and they prepared them by covering them in seaweed and baking them over hot rocks. Oh, it sounds like a kind of New England clam bake. It's funny you say that, actually, because according according to tradition, that's what actually inspired the New England clam bake, was the way the indigenous Americans used to wrap it in seaweed and cook it on those hot rocks, and it was just like a big mishmash. Yeah, a big steam. It basically steams it out. Could imagine some corn in there, too, maybe some clams. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, when the European settlers first reached North America... Lobsters were so plentiful, they reportedly would wash ashore in piles up to two feet high. Oh my gosh. Kind of like we see the seaweed roll into the beach. Right. It was just piles and piles of lobster. And that's like, I mean, if I don't know if they would like stroll on the beach and like go swimming in the ocean back then, but... Uh, with the, with the with weight the of their clothing. And... <laughs> okay, with the weight of their clothing, I'd imagine they weren't doing a lot of swimming. Yeah, that's probably true. But still, yeah, I mean, that many... Lo- if you had to like wade through... Lobster. Lobsters. Yeah. We were in the ocean a couple of weeks ago and a little teeny tiny crab bit my toe. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm getting out. Tapping out. Tapping out. Tapping out. So you can imagine swimming through a bunch of lobsters. That would be quite painful, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would never go in the water if that was the case. Okay. Well, you don't like deep ocean anyways. So. It's a horrifying place, I know. okay? This um, is, for our listeners, Trevor's like greatest fear is the open ocean. Getting swept out to sea. Yes. Because as a child at the beach, we're always told, like, be careful of the undertow, watch for that riptide. Right. Which... There's a long way to go to, like, from there to the open ocean. Right, of course. But I wasn't a strong swimmer as a child, so... Anyway, let's move past my big fears. (laughs) I just feel like the listeners need to know. They need to know exactly what I'm afraid of. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Um, Now, this bounty of lobster made them a really um, precious source of protein. And sustenance during those hard, hard times when the you know first settlers came over and they didn't really know how to hunt or gather food or farm properly in this new world. Um, so it was a really great way for them to kind of just gather this protein. Right. So it just washed up, washed up on the shore and they were like, sweet, easy hunt. We're yeah, exactly. going to take this and cook but it. But <laughs> it also gave them a really bad reputation as like poor man's meat because oh. it was just so readily available. Um, right. In fact, in 1622, the governor of Plymouth Plantation, whose name was William Bradford, was really embarrassed to admit to new arriving colonists uh, that the only food they could present their friends was a lobster without any bread or anything but like a cup of water. 
Mm. I was like, here's a cockroach on a plate, basically. <laughs> With no butter. Yeah. I mean, lobster was really unfamiliar to them and, you know, kind of looked disgusting and alien. And, it, you know, admittedly, I love it, but it still looks creepy and weird today. Um, and it did, in fact, resemble an insect, right? Which it's distantly right. related to. Right. Um, and the word lobster actually comes from the old English lop or lapa. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, but L-O-P-P-E, which actually means spider. Mm. So that's the basis of the word. And people did eat lobster, obviously, because it was around, but they didn't do it happily. <laughs> they kind of did it in secret. They didn't usually do it openly um, because they didn't want people to know that they were falling on hard times. Hmm. Now, at first, because of these basically tied piles of lobster, uh, they were gathered by hand along the shoreline. You could just walk along the beach and dinner. literally scoop up lobster, you know, which today I wish it was a little bit easier to gather lobster. Yeah. Well, now the like, I mean, lobster traps are a very, um, I don't know, it's a tough business and you basically have to like inherit a lobster plot, right? Yeah. I mean, there's only so much space. There's it sounds so crazy space. to say this, but there's only so much space off the coast of the States at this point to catch lobster. That's not right. already claimed. Right. It's highly sought Location. after fishing ground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of harvesting lobster, in the late 1700s, it was when they started actually crafting tools to harvest lobster in the sea. Um, so special boats known as smacks, uh, which featured tanks with holes in them to allow seawater to kind of circulate, they were introduced in Maine for the first transport of live lobsters. Mm. Yeah, and the workers who operated them were called smackmen. Now, lobster were dirt cheap at that point because there was just... So much so of it in the sea. Like I said, you probably had to wade through lobsters to get out into the ocean. And we kind of knew this, but they were routinely fed to prisoners, apprentices, enslaved people, and even children during the colonial era, a colonial era and beyond. In fact, in Massachusetts, where we live, some servants allegedly sought to avoid lobster-heavy diets by including stipulations in their contracts with their uh, bosses. They'd only be served lobster uh, twice a week. Oh, wow. Like, it was a clause in their contract when they were hired on as a new helping hand. Huh. Yeah. I would be like, can I have lobster twice a week? I know. <laughs> like, the reverse of I always, contract. like, wonder if, you know, because lobster, I don't know, I consider it, like, a special meal mm -hmm. because now it's expensive. Yeah. But I feel like that's also part of the reason that it tastes so good because you don't get to have it every week oh, yeah. or every night. Oh, yeah. We're facing this phenomenon with a lot of stuff in quarantine lockdown these days where we're just buying the same stuff right yeah the grocery list is always special. the same yeah. yeah but anyway sidebar no it's, it's a good point it's a good point now in the in the 19th century consumers could buy as a good example for how cheap lobster was they could buy boston baked beans for 53 cents a pound okay and canned lobster sold for 11 cents a pound oh wow yeah i mean people fed lobster to their cats that's kind of how scrap it was like you'd yeah. buy a can of lobster, and that was cat food, basically. Yeah. Now, it wasn't until the mid-19th century that lobster trapping, like we know it today, so lobster pots, which are, you know, those basically look like, if you haven't seen one, it's basically a crate that has mesh, either wire mesh or rope mesh around the outside, and you put a bait bag inside, something that lobster likes to eat, like herring, mm -hmm. and the lobster will crawl into it, but it can't get out. It's kind of sad. It, it's sad, but I mean... <laughs> It's fishing. I, I mean, I it's, it's like putting a worm on a hook. It's like a similar kind of idea. Yeah. Um, so mid-18th century, that was first developed 
believe it or not, in Maine, where <laughs> like the majority of the lobster uh, lobstering actually happens. And it became a much more popular way to collect lobster and to harvest lobster. Right, because they could just drop the pods and then yeah. go and, and come back later. Yeah, and it's attached to a buoy on the top of the water. So it's easy to kind of just let it sit and then come back to it the next day. Actually, the first lobster pound, um, which if you don't know what a lobster pound is, if you're not from New England and not familiar, essentially a lobster pound is a, um, a lobster restaurant, a seafood restaurant where you go in and you pick your lobster out of the tank and they cook it for you on site and you eat it there. The first lobster pound was established in Vinyl Haven, Maine in 1876, which is still to this day a thriving lobster fishery. It's like 12 miles off the coast of Maine, kind of around the Rockport area of Maine, so very central Maine. Um, it's about 12 miles off the coast, and the majority of the economy there is lobstering year-round. Wait, it's an island off Maine? It's on an island off okay. the coast of Maine, yeah. Vinyl Haven. Cool. Nice. Yeah. We should go there. We should, we should go there. Um, in better times, we should definitely <laughs> yes, make a trip. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I'm not sure they would take right kindly now. to people from Massachusetts coming up and then going to their small yes. island of like 1,800 yes. people. We are from away. We are from away. That is absolutely true. So, you know, it's got this reputation for being poor man's food. It's fed to prisoners, enslaved people, children, cats. So how did lobster actually move up in the world or start that upward trajectory? Yeah, they totally rebranded. So they, they did, actually. So in the early days, again, lobster was plentiful. It was abundant. It was really cheap to prepare. And it was a good thing to be serving to prisoners and people who had no discernible palate as far as people thought. And Maine's coast was dotted with lobster canneries. Like every port had one to two lobster canneries in the 1800s. And back then, lobsters were huge because factories, these canneries, considered four to five pound lobsters too small. Whoa. Yeah, and if you've never seen a four to five pound lobster, look it up. They're huge. Um, but these canneries were so efficient at processing, processing lobster, that they were soon forced to work with smaller lobsters because they had basically exhausted the supply of those really big lobsters wow. out at sea. Which is sad because we'll talk a little bit about this later, but those lobsters were really old. Right. Um, now, lobsters were still abundant, even if they were smaller. And then when the railways started to spread across America, transportation managers realized that if no one knew what lobster was, the trains could serve it to its passengers as if it were a rare exotic item, even though it was really cheap for those running the railroad to get it and to serve it. So because of that, like you said, it was all branding. It was marketing. Inland passengers were so intrigued by lobster because it was delicious and they'd never heard of it. So they didn't know that it was considered trash food back on the East Coast. Huh. And they started to love it. And they actually began to ask for it even after they left the train. So that's the main way it became a popular food into the central parts of America. Interesting. Yeah. Wait, so these were passengers coming from the West Coast to the East Coast? How did they get the lobsters on the trains? Well, they could transport live lobster still at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. It also was because I, mean, I feel like if you had a bunch of East Coast people traveling west and they tried to serve lobster, yeah. they'd be like, "What the hell is this?" It was more inland <laughs> to inland, right? I mean, yeah, right. Think like Chicago to I don't know Philadelphia, yeah, or something like that. I mean, Philly probably knew about yeah, lobster, that's but true. also lobster was a it had a big canning industry, so they probably stocked the trains with cans and cans and cans right. of lobster and served it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It was actually really popular in um, salad bars at that time. Like they would have yeah, it out. like a good chilled lobster salad. I know. They'd have it out with like the vegetables and everything like that. Right. And that's one of the ways it started to gain popularity. Um, and by the 1880s, 
uh, chefs discovered that lobster was a lot better and a lot more appealing looking and appetizing if they cooked it live than if they killed it first and cooked it later. Oh, ew. So, so that was the first instance. So I know. They, were, they were killing it, keeping it, and then cooking it? Yeah, which if you don't, and the reason why Laura is reacting that way is that it's actually, as far as I know, it's actually against health code to to cook up a dead lobster. Right, yeah. You have to like kill to eat. Yeah, exactly. You can't I mean, like you should not eat a dead lobster. No, it's a, yeah, it's in fact where we where we used to work, Atlantic Fish Company, our old head chef, he used to have to go into the walk-in every single day and he would set aside the dead lobsters because we weren't you literally yeah, you, couldn't you cook them. It's not safe to cook a dead lobster right. as far as we were told anyway. I didn't right. dig too much into that. I think it's because um you don't know how the like why the lobster died, so it could have like some kind of bacteria or you know, it's just not a good situation. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to don't want to do that. Yeah. So this is around the time lobster began to shed some of that negative reputation and really gained a following among some of the more discriminating diners and high end diners, particularly here in Boston hmm. and in New York City during the eighteen eighties, when the chefs started cooking them to be a little bit more presentable, if you will. Yeah. And at that point, prices immediately began to rise in the wow. late eighteen hundreds. In fact, lobster prices hit their first peak. In the 1920s, when the going rate was about the same as today's. What? Yeah. So imagine the price of lobster now, but in the 1920s. Like, that's how luxury it was. That would be like, I don't know, $500 for lobster or something. I'm assuming they're adjusting for inflation. Right. Yeah, I know, but still. But still, yeah. That's a lot of money. I mean, a lobster can be anywhere between, you know, like $6.99 a pound to, I don't know. $15.99 Fifteen ninety nine a pound if you buy it to cook it yeah, exactly, yourself exactly. at a restaurant. It's like thirty bucks for a least. small lobster. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so it was very luxury, very expensive. Okay, but we all know what happened at the end of the nineteen twenties. Right, the Great Depression. So when the depression struck, the luxury lobster market took a huge nosedive. Like no one could afford this in restaurants anymore. Right. So basically, lobster was demoted back to the the canneries to provide that really cheap source of protein for, for Americans and for the military. Mm. Yeah, it was kind of added into military packs and things like that. Right. Yeah, I guess anything canned would yeah. go overseas. Yeah. And during the Great Depression, actually, lobster didn't really lose its, as luxury as it got, it didn't really lose its reputation for being poor man's food. Right. So it was more in like the preparation. So you, if you're poor, you eat it out of the can. If you're rich, you have it in a restaurant kinda, prepared by kinda, a fancy yeah. chef. Yeah. During the depression in Maine, kind of poor families, they would sneak down to the ocean after dark uh, to empty and reset their lobster traps and take home the day's haul to feed their families. They wow. were embarrassed and they had to eat lobster, which is so, it's wild to me to think because it was such a huge part of their industry. Right. You think they wouldn't be embarrassed right, about yeah, it. Right, yeah, embrace it. It was at least seen in Maine uh, as a food for the poor. Yeah. It was considered embarrassing even for children to have to go to school with sandwiches made of lobster meat. Oh, man. Which to me is so funny. Like, if you, A, you probably couldn't send a child to school with a lobster roll. Probably can't be within 50 yards of a school with shellfish right, yeah, these days because of all the food allergies. Right. But if you were bringing lobster rolls to school, you were yeah. bougie. Yeah, seriously. You were definitely bougie. I guess just not uh, not during the Great Depression. I mean, yeah. Oof. Now, moving forward a little bit, because lobster was considered a delicacy by the time World War II began, it wasn't actually rationed during the war because it wasn't a staple. Right. So it wasn't rationed. 
So the booming wartime economy allowed really, really wealthy cravers of lobster to consume them at unprecedented rates. And, uh, and bad times made it easier to get fishermen to abide by conservation laws hmm. uh, because more people were eating lobster during the war. They were fishing a lot more of it because so much other stuff was rationed to send to the troops on the front lines. Right. So they, they created really, really strict conservation laws that are still in place today. Oh. Um, and the, the dwindling population of lobster was allowed to kind of recover slowly uh, in step with the U.S. economy. So the lobster population started to build back up again. Wow. Yeah, actually, the, I was reading about this. They're so strict with lobstering in Maine, and they take it so seriously. Every lobster that comes out of a pot in Maine to this day is hand-measured one at a time. And if they find an egg-bearing female... They do what they call a, they do what they call a V notch in the tail. So they literally it doesn't have it doesn't cause any pain to the lobster, but they want to make sure that that female lobster never gets caught and cooked. So they notch the tail with a V. That way, even if she's caught without any eggs, people can see the tail instantly. Any lobsterman can see a V notch in a tail and know to throw her back because she's going to actually help repopulate the lobster population oh, wow. and keep their industry afloat. Wow. Yeah. It's like kind of tagging it kind of like tagging it yeah but they have huge amounts of respect for the female lobster you can get fined like you get fined yeah. i think it was 250 dollars if you get caught the first time with a female lobster that can bear eggs basically that can reproduce yeah. and so, then after that it gets more and more expensive basically until you lose your lobstering license which wow. is like the end yeah, of your you career don't want to do that no not at all um so can not all females produce eggs no they can but it's like the, the it's the time, age of it's lobster. the age of the lobster, yeah. Um, or they specifically find one that happens to be you know mature enough to be reproducing. Right. Yeah. Yep. Wow. The future is female. The future even, is even is, in lobster especially world, especially for lobsters, especially <laughs> for lobsters. But yes, you're right. Future is and should be female for sure. <laughs> so lobsters, when they're caught and crowded into really tight quarters, like the store display, displays we see. Lobsters tend to become cannibalistic. Oof. Yeah. And that's why actually you get the, the, the rubber bands aren't to protect us. Right. It's to protect the other, the other lobsters. lobsters. Yeah. From, from basically going yeah. to town on each other. I think I did know that as well. Yeah. Which is why you see a lot of grocery stores actually have banned lobster tanks. Oh, really? Yeah. I know that um, a, lot of the, a lot of Whole Foods markets used to have lobster tanks and they don't anymore. Because they don't want them to eat themselves or yeah it promotes it promotes lobster cannibalism basically oh, yeah. um and they're not so they're, do they just not sell lobster well they're super highly well i don't i don't know actually um but lobsters are highly territorial so they're usually very solitary right and you take that kind of animal and you put it into literally a mountain of yeah. other lobsters who are also very solitary it's not gonna it's not gonna go it's well. not gonna be good right for the lobsters kind yeah of it's kind of sad because we always see like the lobster ponds that are Maybe a little too crowded. Yeah, I don't know if they have regulation on Yeah. if you have to keep a certain number of lobsters in a tank or a s below a certain number of lobsters. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, probably in certain areas it's kind of a moot point because they probably are selling them so fast. Yeah, I would imagine so. I hope so. Now, I was under the impression that lobster was very bad for you. There's a common, a common theme out there that yeah, lobster that is... Yeah, like really high in cholesterol. Yeah, but... Even though it's considered super rich and decadent, lobster meat contains fewer calories than an equal portion of skinless chicken breast. Oh. 
and also boasts healthy omega-3 fatty acids, potassium, and vitamins E, B3, and B6. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really, really interesting So it's creatures. probably just the butter or mayonnaise or whatever you, like, dress your lobster with that All the stuff that the we problem. love. Yeah. It's all good stuff. Yeah. But good to know that if, you know, you just had the plain lobster, it's not that bad for you. It's not that bad for you. It's also less fun, but it is delicious on its own. Yeah, I, I do like to have some butter with mine. I know. Don't forget the lemon. Laura's got a lemon problem. I do. I love lemon on everything. If I go to the grocery store, I have to have on the list, which I haven't done in a long time, obviously, because we've been inside for the last five months. Um, but I used to have on the list, always constantly on our grocery list, was the word lemons with a very angry face emoji next to it that would remind me <laughs> always to get a lemon. If you don't buy the lemons, Laura will be angry. <laughs> this is the face that will be greeting you at the house when we're unloading the groceries. Well, it's just good to have on hand at all times. Yeah, you're right. See, I'm right. You're right, you're right. Let the feels, record show. I hope it feels good. It always does. <laughs> so I actually have a lot of fun facts about lobster that I kind of took out of the, the chronology of it. There was more fun fact than story of lobster, to be honest with you. Now, I was mentioning age of lobsters earlier and size of lobsters. So mm -hmm. scientists don't have a method to accurately determine the age of a lobster because when they molt is when they shed their, shed their shell and grow into a new shell. They also shed their digestive tract along with the shell, which means there's nothing left for scientists to sample to actually determine their age based on what's left in their system. But scientists can estimate the age of a lobster based on its size. Okay. So the lobster we generally eat at restaurants or buy in stores are roughly one to one and a, one and a half pounds. And at that point, the lobster is about seven years old. Wow. Yeah. They're so tiny. They're so tiny, but they take that long to get that big. Wow. Uh, but scientists estimate that lobsters can live to be over 100 years old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they can actually regenerate their claws, legs, and antenna because they can lose them in fights with other lobsters or something might try to, to prey on it. Right. But it takes about five years to regrow a claw back to full size. Wow. So just like it takes them that long to get that big. Right. It takes them that long. To regrow. To regrow. Their... Wow. Yeah. And you actually can get, you can get what they call culls, C-U-L-L-S, culls. And that's a lobster that's caught, that's of the legal right size, but only has one claw. Mm. And they're actually, you can get them for a pretty good, pretty good price at a lot of lobster pounds and, and uh, fish markets and things like that. If you don't mind having a clawless, a one-armed lobster, yeah. which it, I prefer the two. I prefer the two as well, but you know. But you know that lobster has seen some shit. If that's the case. Right. <laughs> it's been through some stuff. <laughs> um, so when we were working at uh, Atlantic Fish, the restaurant we met at, our chef was always telling us that the rarest thing is to find a blue lobster. Yes, I remember that. And we would get them every now and again. Uh, and they're beautiful, like bright, bright blue instead of that dark brownish mottled shell. It was this bright blue lobster. Actually... Out of all the lobster coloration rarities out there, blue lobster is the most common. Yeah. It's so still, of all the rare lobsters, it's the most common. It's still rare. So mm -hmm. a blue lobster happens about one in every two million lobsters. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty rare. Yeah. Now, a lot of people see lobster. It's cooked. It's bright red. So people think lobsters are red. Right. And they're not. They're not, of course. They're, they're like that brown. kind of brownish, like I said, that mottled brownish color. But you can have a live red lobster. I should say the reason why lobsters turn red when they're cooked is because all the pigments in their shell go away 
when they're cooked except for the red. Oh. So everything else will basically go away. It disappears, and, right? Yeah. So it, it looks more muted when it's live because all those other colors are the other pigmentation is in there. Exactly, so. exactly. Mm -hmm. Now a live red lobster, just like we see it cooked, happens about one in every ten million. Wow. You can also have a yellow lobster. Oh. A yellow lobster, yeah, a bright yellow lobster, one in every thirty million. Wow. There's also calico lobster, which if you look it up, it's it's really interesting. It looks like a calico cat. I mean, it doesn't look like a cat. It looks like a lobster, obviously, <laughs> but it has that same kind of spotted mixed coloration. Right. Uh, calico lobster is one in 30 million. Wow. And what are these just genetic? Genetic mutations. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just different pigmentations in the shell when they wow. come of age. Now you can also have a split colored lobster, which is literally down the middle of the shell. It can be one color on one side and one color on the other. Interesting. Yeah, one in 50 million. You should look all these up, by the way, because they are really interesting to see. So split-colored lobster, uh, you usually see well, yellow on one side and kind of the normal color on the other side, at least from the pictures I was pulling up. And then the rarest lobster of all, the albino lobster. Oh, ooh, I thought it was kind of creepy. One in 100 million lobsters are albino. Wow. And look it up because it, it, when you see them in a pile of other lobsters, it looks like they're glowing. Whoa. They're a very... Is it like white, white? It's, it's as white, white as you could think a lobster could possibly get. Right. But it has the similar markings that a lobster has. Yeah. But it's white. Interesting. And it, it looks like, it literally looks like it's glowing in the water. It's how bright white it is. Definitely going to Google that after this. Please do. Please do. Now, from 2009 to 2014, the market for Maine lobster in China went from $2 million a year. This is five years. To over $90 million a year. Oh my gosh. Insatiable appetite from they the Chinese for American made lobster. Yeah. Because so do they have, they don't have like an equivalent. Obviously they don't have Maine lobster there. But. No. the It's American lobster or Maine lobster, which is, I was reading it basically goes from the like Eastern Canada mm -hmm. all the way down to basically the Carolinas is how far south you can find them. Okay. It's the only species of lobster that's clawed in that way. Okay. So they could have lobsters, like Pacific lobster, mm -hmm. but it's Yeah, like just, spiny lobster and right. tropical, more tropical lobsters definitely have those. But it's very different. Right. I've actually never had another kind of lobster, I don't think. I don't think I have either. Well, wait, rock lobster is a thing, right? Like the song Rock Lobster by the b <laughs> Oh, maybe I'm thinking of rock shrimp. <laughs> I think rock lobster might, I don't know. I'm Is like, rock lobster? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, shout out B-52s. Anyway, the uh, everyone thinks of, you know, lobster in the summertime, right? It's August right now when we're recording this. So it's hot out. You think summer, you think lobster, clam bakes, things like that. But one of the best times of the year to eat lobster is actually in the late fall and the early winter, mm, yes. which is really funny to think of. And the reason for that is the molting seasons. Yes, I remember this from our, our yeah. head chef at Atlantic Fish. Yeah, so when, when lobsters are molting, they're what you call soft shell lobsters. So they're growing into the new shell, basically. Um, so there's a lot of, right. for lack of a better term, a lot of space right. that they're trying to grow into. But hard shell lobsters, which you're going to get in the late spring and then the late fall. Right. Which also makes sense because they would be shedding their hard shells in the summer months. And in the winter months. And in the winter months. Yeah. 
So hard shell lobsters have more meat since they've fully grown into their shells since they were last molting. Yeah. But some people swear that soft shell lobsters taste better because it's a sweeter, supposedly right, more, more succulent, more tender meat. meat. But yeah. to each their own, but really great time to get lobster. Late, late fall, early winter, prices are a little bit better. Um, I did look up rock lobster, and it's another name for a spiny lobster. Okay, gotcha. So. Also a great <laughs> song. <laughs> Okay. Just had to close the loop on that one. <laughs> uh, there's a common myth that lobsters scream when you put oh, them yeah. into lobster pots. Not true. That's good. Because um, that they don't have better. they don't have lungs, and they definitely don't have vocal cords. Um, so the noise people hear is the air that's been trapped in their stomach and then forced through the mouth after being out of water for short periods of time. Oh, so okay. lobsters aren't screaming. Uh, in fact, lobsters can't process pain. Um, so before dropping that lobster into the pot and you're wondering, hey, is this going to really, is this really, really going to be painful? <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, it's impossible for us to actually know without asking a lobster directly and saying, hey, does this hurt? Which we obviously know we can't do. They don't have a cerebral cortex, which is what gives humans our perception of pain. So okay. it's really unlikely, according to science, that lobsters can actually feel pain in the way that we can. Okay. And lobster blood is clear. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So actually when it's cooked, and if you ever, ever cooked a lobster or had a cooked lobster, you've seen this before. When it's cooked, it turns into a whitish gel. I thought that was fat. I thought it was fat too. That's lobster blood. Oh, gross. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's not going to stop you from eating a lobster. It's not. No. <laughs> yeah. Something else really interesting, I thought anyway, lobsters never stop growing. Never stop growing. will continue to grow. As far as scientists know, they continue to grow throughout their entire lives. So... They're going to continue to eat, grow, and molt indefinitely until they die of natural causes or they're caught by a fisherman. Right. So I've seen a couple of differing dates on this, um, but the, the size of this lobster was this consistent tying bind. So the largest lobster recorded so far was caught in Nova Scotia in 1977. I've also heard 1988, but same place of origin. The lobster was three and a half feet long. Wow. And weighed over 44 pounds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Three and a half feet long. That's huge. Yeah. That's like a child size. <laughs> that's that's literally a toddler. Like, yeah. That's literally like a three or four year old child, I think. I'm not sure yeah. how big kids are. I was a big child, so I'm not sure. Sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but wow. since then. So wait, did they, did they cook it? I highly doubt they cooked it. That thing yeah, had to have gone to a... Because like... you can't... You also aren't supposed to catch a lobster... That's over a certain size, too. Right. Because at that point, it's like, just live your life, man. Oh, yeah. Go back into the ocean. That's part of the conservation because yeah. they'll, they've been healthy for that long. They'll continue to, whether it's a male or female, they'll continue to help the population grow. Yeah. And it's also a scientific specimen at that point. Right. Yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, so since that lobster was caught in the 70s or maybe the 80s, yeah. one or the other, a lot of Maine lobsters weighing close to 30 pounds have been pulled out of the ocean. So they're... There could be massive lobsters in the deeper sea that we just haven't found yet. Right. Just there. Well, yeah, they're not going to like crawl into the trap. No, they don't. They, they will won't not fit, fit in, the, in the trap. They might get accidentally caught by like trawlers doing other deep sea fishing. Right. But yeah. And the last, the last fact that I thought was just fascinating. Um, so as lobsters get older, they don't show any signs of aging, right? Mm -hmm. So older lobsters continue to eat have a stable metabolism, and have really high energy, well, for a lobster anyway, um, they'll also continue to mate and reproduce as long as they're alive with the same amount of 
vigor, vigor. if you will, <laughs> as they did when they were younger lobsters. Um, huh. In fact, older and larger female lobsters can carry more eggs than younger, smaller lobsters, just based on the size of their tail, because they carry them under their tail. Right. And because they don't show any characteristics of aging, they're said to be biologically immortal. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Biologically immortal, obviously different than actually immortal. Right. Um, but most lobsters, you know, die from external causes. Predators, right. humans, disease, things like that. Yeah. But if given the right scenario... A lobster could live forever. Supposedly a lobster technically could live forever. Wow. Which is crazy to think that's about. That's really cool. So that's really it. That is... That, that is, is a the, fascinating topic. It really is, actually. And yeah. you think just lobster on paper. It's like, yeah, it's lobster. Yeah, lobster. It's delicious. Put yeah. it in a roll. Oh. Have a side of butter. What are we doing for dinner tonight? I don't know. We're not having lobster, <laughs> Damn sadly. <it>. Damn it. <laughs> maybe next week. Oh, maybe next week. Um, all right. So my resources for this, a lot of them, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, History.com, CatalinaOffshoreProducts.com, LobsterAnywhere.com, MainLobsterNow.com, AwesomeOcean.com, SciNews.com, and Pacific Standard Magazine. It was actually really hard to whittle it down to those eight or nine publications, honestly. Yeah. I'm sure there's a breadth of information out there on lobsters. There really, really is. I highly recommend YouTubing videos and watching lobsters in the wild. Not for long. I mean, you're going to be able to do that for so long, but it's really, really interesting <laughs> to watch them. Like We're at that point in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. If you, I'll say this. Like, if you're interested enough, do it. If you don't want to throw off your YouTube algorithm, don't do it because right. things start to get weird after you look We've watched lobster videos. all of the cat videos. We've moved on to lobster videos. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and on that note, we've come to the end of another episode. Uh, everyone out there, stay well, be healthy. Thanks for listening and join us next time on Where Did This Come From? She's my lobster. <laughs>